The Tea Stop In podcast series is inspired by the memory of the last surviving founder of the Australian Cinematographer Society, my friend, the late John Leake ACS. When he and his wife Marion retired from the film industry, they bought a little motel outside Sydney and it became a tradition for cinematographers and other filmmakers to stop in and have relaxed conversations about the industry and the craft of cinematography. It earned the nickname of the Tea Stop Inn. This series sets out to recapture the spirit of those conversations, but this time we're inviting you to listen in. The Tea Stop Inn. Tristan Milani ACS has won numerous awards for his cinematography across feature films, TV drama and TV commercials. He's worked extensively here in Australia as well as in the US and many other countries around the world. Tristan, welcome to the T-Stop Inn. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here finally. Because we did try a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to be busy. And you've been busy back doing TV after doing films for a while. That's right. What happened was is that I came back from America and then I started doing commercials again because I wanted to be around for my daughter for HSC. So I just didn't want to have time away. And to be honest, Ben, I'd lost, I'd lost love with doing kind of long-form television years ago, mm. in Australia in particular. But I sort of thought, well, the ads are drying up as well and I just started think I'm actually quite good at it so I should give it a go again you know and I started doing a number of meetings with television companies and you know one or two were very uninterested and one or two others were very interested because of the success particularly of paper planes yeah I just took it from there and then finally at the end of I think 2018 the phone rang and my agent rang and said are you interested in this project for seven studios and I said well who are they and they said well they're the new content creation arm of the seven network and they want to do something really interesting Wow. And they want to, you know, they're very interested to talk to you about that. It's a six-part series. It's called Secret Bridesmaids Business. It's centred around three young women in their 30s, late 20s, 30s, uh, and it's basically a thriller. And the director was, the setup director was Tori Garrett, who I'd worked with a lot in Vietnam in particular. We'd done a lot of commercials there, some of them very successful. And then we'd worked in Brisbane and Sydney, and we'd never worked on a drama landscape, let's call it, before. And I knew deep down that she's so visual and interesting because the jobs we did, were always interesting and what Tori's real strength is taking a visual idea and going with it and accepting it and she's great at that it's incredible and her visual knowledge is quite something so I said sure Mm. but I was always worried about the last television I did which was 2003 I think I was just worried that the the respect thing there was like what what, what are we doing here and you know and giving the producers A plans and B plans and C plans and D plans and you know there was just an acute lack of respect for what we were bringing to the show the heads of departments and so I I was a little worried about that But then I spoke to Amanda Crittenden, the series producer, and she was nothing but respectful. Wow. Very experienced woman, real straight shooter, very honest and and just overall respectable. And I was was quite surprised and I was really happy. Because the TV drama landscape has changed a lot in recent years. It's it's changing, but it's not changing this country fast enough. I mean, Mm. it's got... And the networks are realising now to compete with these streaming services, the quality of their production has to rise on every level. And basically this is what this show is. And then we were left, the series producer and Marianne Carroll, the EP, 
were both wonderfully respectful and said, come up with the treatment. So the treatment was developed over 30 pages, all out stretched out on A1 and put around the production offices for the networks to see. And they just left us to it. And I said, actually worked yeah. with Marianne Carroll yeah. on All Saints when we did a major kind of revamp on yeah. the visuals of yeah. that. And she's such a fantastic producer. I just so respectful. Yeah. I just I can't tell you, Ben, how I just was, bit, I was quite surprised because I was really ready for kind of the worst, you know, yeah. in a way. And it sounds cynical, but. I actually remember um, I was talking with after an ACS committee meeting. This is back in 2005 mm-hmm. when I was doing that with All Saints. And I was talking to a few other cinematographers after the committee meeting and mentioned that I was doing this stuff and we're going to do a major revamp of the, sh- mm-hmm. the visuals of the show. We're going to change the lighting and the camera setups and all that stuff. Uh, and they said, oh, look out. The producers will be really keen going in and <laughs> yeah, then it'll start happening yeah, yeah. and then they'll get nervous and blame it all on you yeah. and back right off. And it didn't happen. And it was because of Marianne. That's right. Well, she said to us in our first HOD meeting that I'll protect you, you know, I'll look after you. Yeah. You know, go to it. Because we, we had the same thought, everyone. And even the crew were like, oh, you know, the network will grab it and brighten it all and yep. all of that. But they've been so respectful to the point that I'm actually tending the grades on all the episodes, which is you fantastic. Know, fantastic. And yeah. I'm like, they're, they're really into it. And they were into do it. Do it properly. Do it properly, you know, and they haven't let go of, of it being done properly. Mm. So... From the pre-production, to they spent really good money on some fantastic locations for the show, and then I did a series of lens tests for Tori to get to get a look going, you know. And, and, and what lenses did you end up with? Well, well, um, Amanda straight up said to me, "Look, let's go with Panavision," and I said, yeah. "That's great. That's the right decision because they have the backup yep. and the variety." And yeah. so I tested three. I just wanted to use the Primos, the Panavision system. So I tested Primos, Noir Primos, and the P Vintage, the old ones. Oh, yeah. The three different types. But what I did was is that I put X on one set, Y on one set and Z on one set and tested each set. Yeah. Simple testing at Panavision with Andrew Colley helping me. And I didn't tell Tori which was which. Yeah. So then we screened the tests at uh, Blue Post in Melbourne with Marcus, the colourist, and I said, okay, let's have a look. What do you think? And so we just chucked it around for an hour and looked at it and then she burst out. So I have to know, I have to know. <laughs> What's what? And she said, I love Z. We're going with Z. And I said, yeah, Z's right. That were the P vintage. Really? The old ones. Fantastic. Yeah, they beautiful there's something about them they sort of soak light up yeah. their flesh tones and of course they had these three beautiful women that had to be looked after that that was just the best rendition of the flesh tone they were they were gorgeous and the hair the, the highlights didn't pop yeah you know it just had a lovely contrast they were flawed color wise they're all different in color but given that the technology that we have now wasn't really it's issue. Not, a, not the big issue it's that it not used any, to be no not anymore because the 50 75 and 100 were cooler than the the wider ones but only yeah. by a few points so that's you know that's like a fun. couple of seconds in post. In seconds in post. And you just got to tell communi- – this is what young DPs aren't doing. They're not communicating to the producers. I said, this is the situation with these lenses. Here yeah. are the tests. Have a look. If you want to sit down and discuss them, just let me know. Yeah, yeah. And we made it all out to them. We made it very, very clear what lens did what and why we were choosing them. And they were very happy with there's, the Because there's no surprises then. No, no, it's there's just, none. You know, this is what we're doing. There's none. And then I did makeup and wardrobe tests. And then um, the actresses just – just beautiful soft light and said, this is the way we're going to approach it. And they were, there was no feedback at all. In fact, I got very little feedback through the whole series about any problems in general. So I don't Fantastic. know if there were, and Marianne protected us, and just, you know, that we had issues going along with scheduling time and, you know, because the yeah. winters. Um, we had a 10 week shoot. We were in the Mornington Peninsula in the vineyards for about six of those weeks. So we had the autumn going into winter, which was really beautiful, yeah. but very short days. For that soft light, what mm. sort of sources were you using and we, how were you yeah. controlling that? We mainly used, but well, there's an incredible amount of it 
it's natural light. I just used what I said to them. I said this in Australian television productions. In my opinion, we don't seem to be using the technology as well as we should because in the states they understand the technology. It's very much a part of the production, especially in television now. Mm. But we don't seem to be doing it. We still seem to be making things. We used to be good at that. Yeah, we don't seem to be anymore. Looking at the shows I'm seeing, some of the work that's beautiful that's being done, you think, yeah, that's really clever. And you look at and you go, well, they they know the technology. The ones that aren't, like they're Mm. not understanding it. So I said it's imperative we understand the technology and I I know what I can get away with, you see, what I can leave and fix later. But mostly I use cream sauces, which are very soft LED, but Mm. with shimmeras on them and egg crates on them and all dimmed down. And then we use these wands, these like these foot and a half long wands for eyelights. So everywhere the girls go, their eyes ping out. Very simple. I use D-nets at night, old school with those, nine lights or 12 lights. Occasionally used 4K pars. And I also used in the house to mix it up because what we ended up shooting was 4,500 Kelvin. So we mixed up wow. the colours to give it more wintry feel. Yeah, yeah. So sort of cooler highlights. So we, we shot everything at 4,500 during the day and into evening. And then I used... So did you, you play with colour temperature in the light sources then? Yeah. The, around, well, around that? Around that point, yeah. yeah. Nice. So, so key lights were basically at 4,500. And then we mixed it up. We looked at this beautiful series, HBO series called Sharp Objects, and it mixed the tungsten with the daylight. So we said, well, let's just do that. That's, that's, yeah. that's really clever. I so think it's a kitchen. lovely look. It's a beautiful look. So the tungsten in the house, but it's cooler outside and we balance yep. it at 4,500 or 32. Something that feels very real about very that. real. And I also use Source 4s, these old theatre lights, to create shapes. And nice. got gobos, you yeah, know, yeah. leaf gobos <laughs> and tree gobos. <laughs> and used them and projected them basically wow. into the background. So you'll see it in the house. But what I also did, Ben, was just very old-fashioned. I used grad filters. So wow. I put it in. I used ND3s and 9s, soft yeah. and hard, yeah, in the skies. Which is a very middle. rare thing for people to do it's these days. very rare, but I go further. Okay. I'm <laughs> I use chocolate filters as well. Really? In wow. the house. Yeah, I yeah. did a series of tests in the main house, which was yeah. just beautifully designed by Ben Bangay, the production designer. He's oh, an awesome yeah. fella. Ben's fantastic. Guy. He's Very responsive. Um, yeah, I also worked with him on um, All Saints. Yeah. Just brilliant. Brilliant, incredible. And um, I did the camera tests in the house, the main house, and that didn't look run down enough. It was great, but it, the whites were too white. So I tested chocolate ones and chocolate twos. Yeah. Yeah, and tested with them without and um i guess the great thing about controlling color like that with glass mm. is it's it's absolutely consistent that's right and, and you can go okay well this is chocolate one or chocolate two mm. and it's that it ev- is, every it, single time that's right the density is exactly right so it's old school like shooting a certain stop with the density of the filter in the front they, they tell me you know the sales reps at ari go just treat it like a film camera just yeah. treat it like a film. okay i will and, and then all the kids on the set all the assistants go why don't you do it later why don't you do it later well, you sit there and do it later you have the time i think that a, a huge part of the the breakthrough of the alexa was the fact that ari and i've talked about this with several mm. other people on this show Ari finally gave people permission to shoot with a digital camera as if it was film. Yeah. And when they tried it, it looked amazing. I can't. The effects were. Everyone looked at that. Tori came in, the director, and looked at the yeah, they're filtering the chocolates and said, "This is fabulous and it works yeah. perfectly." And, and we all agreed, "Let's do it." You know. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, I also use Promis. Nice. I used just the black the Promis. Yeah, blacks. Yeah. yeah, all my ones. I got. I use quarter and halves. I also use ten cc greens wow. in the hospital just to color up the fluoros. I use that as well. And I also used on some of the actresses sometimes soft effects filters, halves and ones because they looked a little tired. Yeah, so I put the <laughs> highlight in and the soft effects. And, you know, the young kids on the sets are like, what the? What the? <laughs> 
And I did do it. I'm not exaggerating. I used yeah. them all. And you know what? I would have used tobaccos. I would have used others mm. if I had the opportunity. So let's go back to the, the mm. grad filters. Yeah, so what sure. was the thought process there? Because that is yeah. really quite radical these days. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of Australian drama, you just see blown out, high, blown out skies. And the, yeah. I mean, even Marianne Carroll says, how, how can we stop that with the blown out white skies? How, yeah. do we, how do we do it? You know? And I said, oh, I've got a way. And so um, whenever we were in the morning turn and we are doing big wide shots, because we treated each episode like a film. If you look at Godless, you know, show on Netflix, every hour of that show is like a movie. Yeah. If you're looking at like Mindhunter, you know, every episode is like a movie. So basically what we decided to make six kind of films. So we gave them scale. So we used wide shots, 17 mm. mils and 14 mils to give the show scale. And in that, that's when the grads basically went in, just, yeah, just yeah. to the skies, six and nines, hard and soft, nothing too radical, just dropped them in. And then they're there and then the network can see that they're there rather than I'll put that in later. But if I'm not going to the grader, I'm too busy, I can't. So I've yeah. just I've just looked at it a different way. And there, there's something huge about that way of looking at TV drama basically as a series of films. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that's probably the biggest shift that's happened in TV drama. I completely, I couldn't agree with you more. After I watched Godless, I thought, wow, we've really got to step. This is, this is beautiful. Yeah. It's really something. The storytelling is very sophisticated. You know, but I was under no illusions about free-to-wear television in Australia, but the, the response so far has been really positive and wonderful. So I, I can't complain at all. It's been actually a real privilege to work on it. I really have. It's been the whole way through. So I've got the last episode to, to grade next week and they're like, we'll book you in to come down. And, and where, where are you doing the grade? Oh, I'm doing a Blue Post in Melbourne. Yep. They're, do, they're doing most. They've got six shows in there. Yeah. It's a little worrying to me. It's a little bit of a monopoly. I, Melbourne's always strange for post-production. <laughs> When you've got all these places in yeah. Sydney and there's one or two in Melbourne, there's not yeah, many yeah. and it's a bit... Of course, Digital Pictures went under. You know, yeah. and that was a great facility and I felt they had a bit of a monopoly but they... I don't understand it, basically, Ben. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand post-production. And, and Melbourne's busy. Victoria's yeah, busy. Yeah. They should be really proud of themselves. Yeah. Any young young out there in Sydney, go down, you'll work. It's flat out. <laughs> I couldn't get a crew. Really? Yeah, it was really hard. Uh-huh. It was really tough. And who was the colourist you were working with? I worked with Marcus Smith and still working with him. He's the senior colourist there at Blue Post in Melbourne. Awesome. Very, very experienced. And he's, he's, what's great about him is that uh, he's really quick. He knows his technology. That so makes a big difference, doesn't it? Makes it makes a big difference, yeah. I was really impressed. So he could swing those dials. Very, very impressive. I don't know how he does it. I still, to this day, in awe of all the colourists I've worked with, the way they just wrangle that technology and the time that they have. Because really, yeah. I just look at the dials and I, <laughs> I can turn on the kettle in the morning. Yeah, that's enough for me. So that, that button's enough for me. Gosh, I, he's very impressive and very into it and loves it. He's really passionate about it. It's really, really cool. I think the it's such a light, wonderful process. Oh, it's incredible. I think the base light is a better system than the Resolve, the, the Da Vinci, but, you know, I can't complain. Yeah. We're usually shooting an LG... What is it, an LG OLED monitor? It's p- yeah. Pictures are sharp to sharp edge, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful contrast, not too heavy. So what do you find is better about the base light? I just think it's just, the system is more specific colour-wise. I think it's a more accurate system. I think it's just a more sophisticated system all around. I did Balibo on a base light yeah. and I regraded the boys actually, a 4K regrade oh, at wow. Animal Logic yeah. on the base light with basically... A a colourist who was a kid. I mean, it was 20. <laughs> it was 27. And it was really funny about the boys regrading it because we came off an old 16 mil jupe print of the thing. Wow. And it still had, right, green um, 
chemical stains, you know, Kelvin Crumble and left <laughs> in their colourist. The kids going, oh, you know, what's that? You know, and he zoomed in on this. Yeah. And we're all, and then we called Nick Myers in and Robert in and Rowan in, and we're all there looking at it, going, look at it, it's so green. And um, we was trying to explain to the kid, oh, they're the chemicals. Wow. <laughs> that was fantastic. He's never seen anything like it ever. It's a different world. It's different, a whole different thing. Yeah. It's really – because it was more vivid, you know, when you – you know, in those the baseline, the colours are so vivid, you've seen stuff you never even imagined on film. Wow. Things that just didn't, so, uh, yeah, yeah. didn't get through the process. No, no, no. Yeah. Fascinating. Which I think is, uh, is part of the thing with vintage lenses as mm. well, that there's subtleties in vintage lenses that will get right through the chain now that wouldn't have really mattered so much. They'd kind of get softened out with the, mm. the photochemical process. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're in very high demand though yeah. to get these things. Yeah, I did yeah. just shot a job up in Tokyo and I could get them but they were going to cost a fortune to get up there so we didn't use them. Wow. But they're in high demand. Why are they in high demand? Because the, the, the lenses are just – it's the sharpness but it's the highlights. They're just – the hair – I was two of the actresses had quite pale hair, blonde hair and I didn't want that yeah. – you know, the sun pinging and like the tests I did were in sun and the, and the vintage lenses handled it so much better. Wow. Yeah, there just seemed to be a lovely accuracy basically because I went for faces and, and the way I summarised it visually was that you have to love these girls, the audience. You have to love them for them to love the yeah. show and I said that straight up to the producers and they agreed and I said well how am I going to make them love these girls and they had to look lovely you know mm. they had to stand out from the background beautiful close-up and we didn't shoot the traditional 75 mil and 100 mil close-ups we shot them on 35 mil really yeah just to give them a bit more space when you look at we looked at Russian Doll as well that yeah. wonderful show yeah yeah Netflix and we looked at sharp objects and we thought what's so good about these close-ups they were really interesting so I guess yeah. you'd, you'd get a bit more depth in the the three-dimensionality of the face yeah, there on a 35 it sets them more into the backgrounds as well yeah. because the backgrounds were so pretty where we went to and it brought them out but in a more realistic kind of way you know it just it just felt 75s and 100s were just kind of wrong mm, just too mm. ping tori called them ping pong heads or something you know close 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 yeah, we just yeah. wanted to do something different and try it that's all fantastic yeah so that's what we did now i have to ask you about paper planes because yeah, it's one yeah, of my of kids favorite films <laughs> um they have like paper planes festival at yeah, school yeah, i'm where very they proud all... of that film what was that like to work on? It was really difficult. It was really <laughs> stressful. It was unbelievably stressful. I want oh, God, the kids. I love them all. But there was one time Robert rang me about a week into the shoot, you know, and um, said, ugh. And I, went, ugh. I said, this is more stressful than shooting Balibo. This was, it was way more stressful because all the money went on bloody moving their eyes because they're always looking at the camera so they digitally move their eyes. Oh, really? Yeah. A lot of money went on that and a lot of money went on the fly, getting rid of the flies because they're in Perth and they're meant to be in Tokyo. Oh, right. It was wow. flies and the kids had flies. But uh, it's exhilarating to see it. Um, we did it in five weeks really quickly. Wow. So we shot really quickly. I found it very difficult to shoot in Perth because there's a lack of choice of crew. So I found that difficult. I would have liked a bit more choice. But it was just very, very stressful, I remember. But I'm really proud of it because Robert and I met in Los Angeles together. We sat at a bar and said, should we make this? And Robert was very concerned about whether it would work, you yeah. know. But what we did was we looked at film like Malcolm, 
in yeah, the eighties. Oh, what a great film! What a great film! And I said, well, let's make Malcolm. You know, where the where the effects are in camera. You know, yeah. Australians love that because the Americans were bringing out Back to the Future one, two, and three, which are incredible. You know, and they stand up well. And they stand up still well, but yeah. Mal- audience love Malcolm. Yeah. they love that style of film. And yeah, I said, yeah. if we make it in that style of Malcolm, where everything's in camera. You know, then we'll have some fun, and it could be, you know, and it could be really could be good. Yeah, you get kids looking up and out and not down. You know, so that that's the reason why. And that I'm absolutely worked. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it works really well. I, I'm, what annoys me though is that there's not more kids' films after that wonderful year 2015 when it came out. Yeah, and it opened the Berlin Film Festival, the kids section too, which is really I was there. That was just really awesome. So it, wow. it travelled. Yeah, you yeah. know, into Europe. But what, why aren't we making more? It's I find yeah. it really annoying. I just. It it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't sense. make any sense. Oddball did better Obviously. than us. Oddball made more money. What's wrong with it? finding an audience? Yeah, yeah, What's wrong with it? It's not yeah. a dirty word. Absolutely. I'm it's... really proud of that film because it found a really big audience. And, you know, they didn't want to put it on, the distributors. They said, no, because Into the Woods was on and it was Christmas and basically Village Roadshow said, no, it has to go on now. It has to go on that first week of Jan. It has to because it, to give it a chance. And then they said, okay, but you can't screen it after six at night. Okay, sure. And then the, the queues started forming and the box <laughs> office went up. <laughs> and, you know, wow. lo and behold, I'm guessing the surf was bad that day, but the Ballander sold out. <laughs> <laughs> But there is that demand there for Absolutely. family films and Australian family films. There's, it's it's, it's there's... a no-brainer. That year was Dressmaker, twenty million. Yeah. A cab, taxi to cab ride to Darwin. That one. Yep. Yep. Jeremy's film six seven point seven. We did nine point six six. Yeah. You know, um, somebody join the dots on this stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> then last year there's nothing. Yeah. Why? What are we? Why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And still to this day, Ben, I've been a twenty. Five years. Still to this day, there are people in this industry that think an audience is a bad. It seems to be bad. I'll make what I want to make. Fine, cool, but yeah, you yeah. know, maybe make something for an audience. What what is wrong with genre picture making? What is wrong with it? What is wrong with finding the widest audience you can? Absolutely. I know. I I, I could argue that all day. Uh, so paper planes, just on the, the, yeah, the technical course. side. Mm. What were you? What were you shooting on there? Oh, we just shot um, the old. What are they? XTs. The, yeah. yeah, the RXTs and a, a set of Cooks S4s yep. and a zoom. That's what we did it all on a twenty-four to two ninety Anjana. That was it. I do that deliberately on all my shows. I have very like on uh, Secret Bridesmaids Business. I had a set of primes and two zooms, two yeah. primo zooms. Very simple. Yeah, yeah. I just think you should be able to make a film with five lenses. I really do. I don't think more gear is better gear. When I was younger, of course, I fell into that trap terribly. And now, as everybody does, as everybody, yeah, I thought it was just me, but I'm guessing everyone does. But now I'm just totally the opposite way, you know. And I think that's it is something that comes with experience that you can have the confidence to go, No, Mm. I don't need that. No, no, absolutely. No, you're right. And I didn't have that, obviously. But Paper Planes, yeah, it was just the cooks, a set, and that one zoom, I think the 24 to 290, which is a simple, great, they're great. All the gear's great. It's all, it's it's how you, it's the story, you know, in front. You know, I, I typically don't talk a lot technically because I don't understand. And I talked to Dean Semler about this in, in Los Angeles. We had this fantastic lunch. I'll name drop now quite happily because he's the super guy. Yeah. And I said, do, do you know, Dean, do you understand it all? You know, and he said, no, 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 I, I, I hire people to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I want, it. I'm more interested in the story. I'm a storytelling cameraman. Yeah. You know, I... I this is why people like Russell Boyd and Peter James and, and Johnny Seal and, and Dean and these guys, and 
all still impress me and mm. they're still working and Don McAlpine, I yeah, may have yeah. missed a name, I'm sorry. They're storytelling cameramen. This is what I'm trying to instill in the kids. Watch the movie. Go to the movies, mm. okay? Have a diary about every movie. Just have a diary. Write it all down. What you've seen, what you like, what you didn't like. Because you'll have a longer career if you're a storytelling cameraman slash woman, camera yeah. person. You will, just naturally. Yeah, yeah. And this is what annoys me about the current crop. They're too wound up in the, the technicals of it all. So I deliberately, even with all my head, a camera crew of like 10 on the television show, I, I said, I, I, I don't want to know. Yeah. You handle it. Do what's right. It's funny because, I, I mean, I'm quite happy to get into all the technical yeah, details. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. on set, I, I don't want to think about any of that stuff there's, no, there's no. way more interesting things going on oh no absolutely and I you know the, I had Matt Dobson who was my first AC my lead AC he's fabulous fabulous guy and he, I just said just you, 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 you'd handle it yeah you know, I just got too much to do with locations and story and how I'm going to use these locations to tell this story I've got enough pressure coming on yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. worry about the technical details and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeless technically on, on that stuff I really am am I lazy yeah, yeah maybe but every time I talk to someone they tell me something different you know <laughs> Like, I just, like, I'm confused. Yeah. I'm confused. I remember when we used to do those Kodak presentations, there yeah, was yeah. There's an example of 9-6, 500T. I said, yeah. there you go, yeah, it looks great. <laughs> it looks good. <laughs> it looks good. Whatever. Then I was like, well, where do they grade it? What are they doing? What size yeah. TV? All this stuff. I'm like, oh, God, please. Are we making better films? I'll ask you. Well, you know, you look back at some of the, the great films from that era and there's there's not huge amounts of stuff missing. No, no, no. It's, it's not like you go, oh, if only they had had... Mm. With this television show, this is one really interesting thing too. Like uh, there was a director who was going to do the second block, Brandon Marr, but he, he couldn't do it. He had a scheduling conflict with something else. And he was like, well, why are we only having a drone here for like three days on the second block? Because he's just done something quite big for HBO in the UK. And he said, we just had a drone yeah. there. And the why not? Time. And yeah, and this is my point. That's really, see, to me, that's really interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. And I'm kind of like, well, he said, yeah, we're just using that to do tracking shots now. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a real revelation. That's really, yeah. that's really interesting. Mm. And I think that's the big part of it is there's a lot that you can do quicker and easier and cheaper mm. to the same standard, but it's not like you can reinvent the art form. No, no. Well, we didn't use cranes at all. We just thought cranes were, were wrong for our show. We just yeah. didn't use them. And we didn't do push-ins on, you know, tender moments, didn't do track-ins. We just, did, we just kept it static and let the actress, cause let the faces tell the story without overtelling it. Mm. But as well, you know, you've got to think watching something like Ozark, you know, that guy, I looked at that second series and that DP, I said, he's reinvented how you light a kitchen. Wow. You look at it and you know, <laughs> all he's done is a tungsten light boof, washing down. And you think, God, that's good. <laughs> you think, well, that's clever. Yeah. Yeah, what can I do in 10 hours? Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, Peter Weir taught me at film school he has an A shot list that he has to have yeah. and then a B shot list that he would love to have. Wow. If he can, wow. right? That's just smart. You think about it. It's really clever. It's so obvious it, once you hear it. You just hear it. It's like, yeah, well, that's really clever. So you're trying yeah, to yeah. instill in that. And so Tori and I was, what can we get in 10 hours? Yeah, What yeah. are we going to get? The other thing about Ozark why everyone should watch is there's a drone shot. I don't know if you've seen it. It comes in over a boat on a lake going, uh, this boat's high speed, boom, 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 going across the lake. And the drone starts about a mile out and comes in and converges on the boat. Yeah. And you're going, no, they're going to cut now. They're going to cut now. No, no, they're going to cut. They're going to cut out of this and cut to a two shot of them on the boat. Yeah. No, no, the drone goes all the way into the boat. Wow. And, and tracks back. <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching Amazing. it. Amazing. And you go, well, I've got this TV show. You know, I gotta do <laughs> how am I, how, how can I, how can I make my show this good? Because that's the standard. Yeah. Now, yeah. It's, it's so impressive. It's just, it's exhilarating. It's just, it's getting better and better and better, the work. Mm. 
It's really something. It's a, it is a really exciting time for all that. And I think there's this, in a sense, kind of convergence of mm. cinema and TV because people have much bigger TVs at home, yeah. uh, much better sound, vastly better than they had even 10 years ago or 15 oh, years ago. I, I think that's one of the factors. I think the other major factor is the $25 to go to a film. Yeah. I think parking. Yeah. I think, um, <laughs> you know, is it is it? I, I feel I fear for cinema a bit. I fear for Australian cinema in particular. I'm, I'm actually quite concerned because this is a this is a big change. And I think that the Screen Australia model and oh, I get trolled for this, but <laughs> I think the model's over. Someone's got to say oh, it. Someone's got to say it. This guy can't be the only one. I think the yeah. Screen Australia models are, it's it's it done. It's dated. It's had yeah. it. It's really, yeah. it's really. There needs to be a reinvention. There has to be. Because I think cinema still has life left in mm. it. The experience of going with other people into this oh, is it, yeah. auditorium and Absolutely. experiencing a film on the big screen for a couple of hours is something that is special and it's different and has value. How you connect with that audience and get them into the room, mm. that's the big problem. I agree with you. I mean, those you know those opening nights I've had with my movies, the great privilege of sitting in huge auditorium with two thousand, sometimes you know, thousand people. It's a different experience. It's a different experience. It's what we all strive for. That's yeah. the pinnacle. But that's why I worry for Australian cinema because I just think those moments are getting less and less and less. It's just getting more and more harder to fund these things and to get available stars to do them. But the other thing is, well, when you do television, you're watching your show on the box and you sit around the house. You know, you got the cat and the cat, yeah. you know, and you got your, your wife. And so I've seen this. Yeah. You know, you know, and you're like there on your own you know what do you how do you it's not the secular experience you know the same yeah. as movies that's why we all yeah. still want to make movies you know for yeah. that ultimate experience the other thing that i note too ben that's going forward is i don't get a credit on the tv show none of none of the well, head of departments well, i don't get a credit there's no director of photography with my name on the head or the end the head yeah. credits i don't get a single page credit anymore none of the heads of just departments. in the role at the it's end it's just in the role at the end which i thought was an interesting change yeah you know yeah, yeah. i did because i've always it's had a huge mine. change yeah i think it's big overall for the industry i'm not complaining about it for myself yeah. I'm just saying this is another interesting point that I learnt was that there was basically no, long wow. as a single page credit with your name, you know, and then the art director and the production designer and the wardrobe, but none of us are getting one, which I guess is because they want more advertising times, you know. Wow. Yeah, it's very interesting. That's yeah. I don't know how the ACS is for that, you know. I don't know, you know, what their position is on that or if it's an issue. I don't think or, it's even come up. Yeah. I think it's something that we probably should be talking yeah, about. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I, um, I, just thought, I just thought it was, I, you know, I just thought it was, I just thought, given the work that we do on these things, I mean. Th- that to me feels a certain amount of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, yes, maximise advertising time you can understand they're under pressure there mm. but mm. at the same time what's yeah. what's making this work for the audience yeah. and do you want to actually make people conscious of who the artists are who are making who this stuff make, yeah that, that was it was it's was just because that becomes a selling point yeah it for does future stuff. yeah well yeah it's, it's interesting because i want my name on it because i'm going to work really hard and i'm really proud of what i'm doing yeah so i'm yeah. sending out nothing but positive signals but yeah. i understand the reality if it was shit, you wouldn't want your i know name, i know right? i know but I, like this is the point i was trying to make but that, that's not I'm not the only one and it's not just this I think that's in general it's happening all over wow. I believe on all television I don't think that's happening with the the original series for streaming. Well, they sort of you can stream for. I noticed the it doesn't other doesn't matter no, no, to them. No, I don't think so. I don't think there's because there's no advertising pressure on those hours. Yeah, I think yeah. and people are binging, so you can skip through it if you yeah. want. They d- they're approaching it a different way. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting. That's all. I thought it was. A, I'm not. It's not necessarily just this production company doing it, but and maybe yeah, they changed their mind. Trend. You know what? Maybe they've changed their mind and they'll do it. So yeah. this was before the show. Now after they may. Because there was a trend for a while with Australian 
drama series to not have an opening title sequence mm. and they just cut straight in and yeah. uh, you know, we want to get the mm. audience in and I think that stopped right. um, quite a few years ago but I don't think it's something that ever took hold in the US. No, no. All the unions there I guess. Yeah, you know, they wouldn't stand for they it. They wouldn't stand for it. Not the, not the Directors Guild and yeah. certainly not the ASC over there I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just, it's just I just thought it was really interesting. I just thought it was a mm. note worth talking about. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's an interesting change. Now, here's an interesting thing, um, working in different countries, yeah. what's what's that like? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a really good question. I think the main one between America and Australia is why I'm so impressed by American production is the respect that they give, the heads of departments in particular. Mm. Your opinion matters. You're not being seen as difficult straight away. Which probably goes back to the studio system. Yeah, where, absolutely, you know. absolutely it goes back. It all goes back. The one yeah. impressive thing was the way they treated you and the respect. The other thing was you had more time to do things, mm. obviously, because they've got bigger budgets. Yeah. And the scheduling was a little bit easier. The main difference is, is that in America they get the right person for the job. And if that involves 70 reels for a commercial, they'll look at 70 reels for a commercial. Wow. This is what it's like and it's different. Whereas here, particularly with Australian films, is, oh, my mate plays guitar, he's going to compose for the show. Yeah. It's, it, and it's true and it's real and it's kind of – and this is the th- very big The reality of a small industry, the I guess. The reality of it, yeah. Well, he can do it for 20 bucks, so yeah, yeah. he can play guitar quite well. And that's the difference. There they just wouldn't have it. They yeah. just they, they get the right person and they take their time to choose. And that was what was really, really a big difference for me. And the equipment too, they'll give you anything you need, but if you don't make it look great, they'll fire you. I was never yeah. fired over there, but I had plenty of friends and plenty of people around me that were. But, yeah, yeah. Um, that's part of the culture, isn't it? That's part of it? the culture. Yeah, yeah, you can have everything. I've spoken to producers mm. who said that they, they've worked on American productions, Australian producers mm. who worked on American productions and got reprimanded for not firing somebody. Yeah. It didn't matter who, yeah. but they needed to fire somebody. Needed, yeah, if someone gets the chop, it's usually the director, the DP, or the first AD. Yeah, you know, it's one of those. <laughs> it's one of it's one of those. No, it's true. I mean, yeah, they'll just say here more, have it, have it, have it, have it, have it. But man, if it doesn't look any good, chop. You know, and it'll be like, hey, it hasn't worked. See you later. And that's that's what it is. The other thing they taught me there, the money's not right. They won't do it. There was, you know, looking for second unit directors on one show, and the, there was a revolving door. You know, yeah. they just go, no, they'll just do something else. <laughs> it's so big, it's a lot freer, you know. Yeah, and if, yeah. the other thing there that was really interesting is I had a three-day commercial and then my AC the day before go, well, I've got a four-day, so I'm going to do that. Oh, okay, bye. Wow. <laughs> All right, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Let's get someone else. Fine, thanks. They do the biggest job, they don't care. Because they've got to get the hours to the union. Oh, of course. You see? Yeah. To stay in it, they've got to do the hours. And you go, yeah, right on, no problem, see you, thanks, well, next. And but you of course there is somebody else. There is that's, someone there. Yeah. There's been there's hundreds and hundreds. And the great thing about LA is you can get anything. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, we need like a three-legged dog. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bob up in Calabasas got one and it's called Bruce. <laughs> oh, okay, I'll call him. Hey, you got the three-legged dog? Yeah, yeah, I got one. I got a two-legged goat too. You know, they got anything and everything. You know, it's amazing. <laughs> and it's just there. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're working on set on something I did this ad with Dolph Lundgren and the stunt guy came in, you know, shaking his hands and da-da-da-da. We're going to do this, this, this and this, you know, and it'd be awesome, be awesome. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, sure, bam, did it. I'm like, man, you are awesome. <laughs> So skilled. They're wow. so skillful and they're so respectful. They were a camera crew I worked with over there, I, I would work with the rest of my life if I could. They're super, super. They work really hard. They yeah. work hard here too, really, yeah. really hard. So what are the upsides of working back here? 
Oh, they, they, you have a lot more freedom, you know, in decision making. They get left alone. There's not so much political pressure from high up. I think that's a very, very big difference. Mm. I think that's the main one. I, I like being at home. I like telling Australian stories. I think it's a real privilege to tell an Australian film. I, I've, I've always said that. I, you know, you don't do them, you know, for the money. You do them as a gift, basically, you know. And so Jane Campion said, my film's a gift. And I think that's pretty accurate. I think Paper yeah. Planes is a gift to, the, to everyone. I, I, yeah. I'm really proud of it. But to be part of the consciousness is really special. I've always said that. I've never, I've never changed in that opinion so that's been the great joy that's the really good thing about coming home but you know i've got i still got a green card if i want to go but it's exhausting america you know it's just you know that's why i admire people like brad shield you know he's always going over and always getting yeah. the gigs there and stuff and i talk to him all the time and i go are you here or there and he goes it depends <laughs> where there is you know? <laughs> and i really admire him i just he's just he's someone who going. does good work oh yeah I mean, brad's he's... awesome guy you know he's lousy at tennis but <laughs> I just don't know if I can do me. And I like to shoot really quickly. And what I like here is shooting quickly because I think crews react better here when they're moving fast. Whereas America it's less exhausting, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, oh, you have is. a fast shooting day yeah, and you yeah. get to the end of it and you're just like, yeah, that's go, right. go, go. Yeah, and yeah, and enjoy it and thinking, you know, how do I solve this problem? Yeah, yeah. How do I solve it? And here it's way more like in America, you, you they just throw money at it. Or Tristan, yeah. you know, what do you need, you know? Well, here it's like, well, you know, I need a ladder. And they go, well, can you have it on Saturday and we'll just get a half day higher? You go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How high? Oh, 20 feet. Oh, can you make it 12? Okay. You know, it's different. Yeah, it's yeah. different. It's, it's really is different. And, you know, it's just, just what it is. You different just process of problem it's solving. completely different. Absolutely, yeah. completely different. So what about drama versus commercials? How do you find that experience? Oh, I love the balance of both. I'm one of the few that kind of does it, I think, on a regular basis. I work with a great director, Paul Middleditch, a lot. He's a fantastic commercials director and, you know, a really good friend. Uh, we just went to Tokyo together and I love working with him because he knows and he teaches me especially with action stuff and then taking that knowledge because I mean, he's got an extraordinary body of oh, work. unbelievable you know he's a very good friend and his producer peter master and two are all very very close he's, he's wonderful but what the commercials do because they use the the newer technology and i can take that newer technology and try to convince the australian drama to use it you know because it'll save yeah. time and no because i do commercials if i go to a grade in a commercial i get all the funky systems like you know ben eagleton's base light which yeah, is yeah. awesome <laughs> you know and i go oh, can you do that now and i can do all that so that I know now I can take that into a drama. So that's what it teaches me to do. So there's kind of there's a cross-pollination. There's definitely, definitely using the positives from the commercials technically and taking them into, because I found for a number of years Australian drama was really behind. I said, well, we don't need to do that anymore. We can do it this way. And they were all like, oh, you know, that, that was a real divide. Mm-hmm. You know, as well, commercials directors, the ones I work with, are very knowledgeable all around and they do really mm-hmm. know their stuff and they teach me and inspire me. So what are the things that you do like to do in the grade? Because it's great to do so much in camera. but Oh, in the, yeah, in the grade. It's more, more about the contrast, I think, and flesh tones. I was getting the flesh tones right. I spend I spend 80% of my time just looking at flesh tones. I call that a primary grade. Yep. So the way I work is that uh, flesh tones, if the flesh tones are red or slightly red, it's death to me. Mm. It just makes the show cheap. So yeah, I'm always yeah. like red, red. And then if it swings to cyan, then it's getting that right. And then I do basically like a secondary grade on the backgrounds, you know, if a tea towel or something or a car colour or and then the sky. Just avoiding distractions. Yeah, avoiding it. Yeah, where's my eye going to? If my eye's going to a highlight like a napkin on a table, I'll fix yeah. that secondly, but flesh tones first. Yep. But that's the way because I only have, I think every episode of Secret Bridesmaids was like two days to grade. Yeah, so it's so, fast. Yeah, it's fast, yeah. And I would only come for that one day. He does a big setup, A grade, big setup first pass, and then I come in and check that, but I'm always going to the face 
faces first, always. Yeah, yeah. And I have to keep it that way because I never have the time. Any Australian film I've only got. But it's the most important days. thing. That's, well, you yeah. know, if you get that right. But remember, I've said if you don't love the girls, you don't love the show. So yeah. I've just, I'm just taking that down all the way through into post-production. So what sort of details are you looking for in the skin tones? Well, uh, the red uh, out, uh, yeah. just looking for a beautiful, just a consistency across the flesh tone that's not too warm. Yeah. You know, it was winter too, so they couldn't appear too tanned particularly right, in this last yeah, yeah. show. So, and I went for 4,500, so I wanted cooler-ish flesh tones, but lovely and soft. Were and you shooting ProRes or RAW? Uh, ProRes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, basic ProRes. I think we were just shooting 2K as well. There was that one talk of going up to using a, 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 DS, a DSL. What's the new panel, the 8K thing? Oh, the, uh, the DXL. DXL. Yeah, there was talk for about – I went for, went for about a two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't the camera. It was the post-production guy said, well, this is the data quote now. And the quote came back for all the data. Mm, and it was like double. Over. Conversation <laughs> over. No. <laughs> so um, uh, that's what I mainly look for. I just look for truth. Yeah. I just look for truth in the flesh tone. Did the girls look like that? And it's so accurate now that I can go, yeah, that's truthful. She looked like that and nothing jumps. The level of control you've got of contrast now is fantastic. Oh, it's extraordinary. It's, 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 it's too much in a way. You can be there for weeks. Like in America, you can grade for eight weeks, ten weeks now. They're just going like yeah. crazy. How, how much better do you think it would be if you had more time? Oh, I, I, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it would be better. Yeah, yeah it would be because you just put your eye over everything. Yeah, just focusing tweet, on focus, more details. More detail, more Finesse. detail. You, you know, you look at Mindhunter and Ozark and these shows and they're really grading those yeah, things. Yeah, they're yeah. really, you know, you can, oh, yeah, that's really timed. Yeah. Because now like eye sharpening too is great. Oh, isn't it's so it fantastic? It's so simple now. It's just wonderful. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw that, Clara and I were in London and we got a demo of Baselight over there. It was yeah. fairly early days of Baselight mm. and they had that working really well. Oh, and yeah. we saw the brightening and the sharpening on the eyes happening and just went oh my god that's extraordinary yeah so it's, it's, it, we used it a lot because those older lenses just to get a bit more sharpness in the girl's eyes yeah. but we had highlights in there for most of the time yeah that's extraordinary yeah it's and a people are Christian. not conscious the audience is not conscious of it it's just makes people look better and the audience connects more yeah oh definitely i would love i would love i would definitely go to a session of a, a dp a colorist uh, on a show like mind you know mind hunter i would sit there and go have you done that yeah I would really be enthralled. Yeah, yeah. I really would be because yeah, it's really pretty. It's really something. So that would be interest me more mm. than the, you know the process of the shoot. Yeah, I think. And you know the levels now we're using. I mean the P vintages were F, were T ones, T one point threes. So we just shot a lot of stuff just just going for it at night. We, they were they were great for that. Yeah, there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. How do you approach working at different light levels? Oh, definitely. Just playing with it. We shot sixteen hundred ASA a lot of the night stuff at, at one. You know T ones and SSC. You know, and because I know what I can do later. I know. I, yeah, can, yeah. I know I can fix it. Yeah. I know it. I'm fine with it. I know what I can do later. And this is what I'm trying to tell. That's why I encourage my crew to come to the grade. Wow. And they came the other day, all of them, yeah. you know, that Fantastic. weren't working. They all came and sat. So then they leave me alone on set. You know, I know I can fix that. Yeah, yeah. I know how to do that. I can do that. I can do that. That I can't do. That I've got to fix now. Which is, that's the other great value of being there for the grade mm. is that for all your future projects that it builds that confidence in what you can absolutely. save to the grade and what you need to do on set because absolutely. it's never going to be the same in the grade. No, no, absolutely. Just what you can do, it's incredible. No, yeah. no, absolutely, I agree. Is there anything you miss about shooting film? Oh, I miss everything about it. I miss the... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I miss the. I, I, I miss the. Uh, I don't miss the sleepless nights on the first week on a show. I, I, don't, I don't miss those. Oh God. Oh God, I yeah. don't miss those. <laughs> Jesus. 
What I do miss is the one light um, Russia screenings we yeah. used to do with Al Clark and Front Row producer or John Maynard, you know. Yeah. I miss that because cause when it comes up at the end of a long day and you're like, oh, <laughs> oh what do I do here? <laughs> <laughs> I miss that. I miss rushes in general. I miss yeah, film rushes. That's been a huge change in oh, the industry, hasn't wrong. it? And I wanted to do rushes the first two or three days of the television show, but yeah. the producers said no, the turnaround issues. So oh, that, right. that was a no. But Paper Planes in Perth, we encouraged everyone to come. We just did down res rushes too, just to see it on a big yeah, yeah. screen that Nick yeah. Myers set up and no, we just couldn't get any takers. Really? No, sound guy came once, you know, and, wow. and uh, Gaffer's group, no one came, no. Oh, it's a problem because like what I did with the pre-production on this, when we did the makeup and wardrobe tests, I got oh, I said we have to all go into the post-production and look at them all. Yeah. Production design, wardrobe, makeup, everyone's look got to together. Come, look at it all together because that's it then. That's it. We're out. We're working. Yeah. And all of them came and all of them said that was great. I'm really yeah. glad we did that. And so that's what I miss about film. I miss the communication levels that you had to, to talk about, that you had to talk through yeah, if that's yeah. the right word because you have to be more colour accurate, you know, trying to explain to the cool kids, you know, that all we could do is make it warmer or cooler or green or red or dark. <laughs> or, you know, and they're like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, it's all we could do because we needed to know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And I miss the accuracy because we can tend to go, oh, I can, oh, that's fine. So no, there needed that. to be that discipline oh, right oh, through oh, the right. process. You're setting cutters. Yeah. You know, now I can put a big shadow across a face. Yeah. You know, I can, I was like, you know, I can do it in cutters and blades and if I put a blade here and a cut here and a chop there. And a, yeah. That, and I miss some of that. I miss seeing it and making it live like that and, and seeing it on the big screen. Uh, big screen rushes, I miss that. I really I mean, there's been so many wonderful things about the shift to digital, but mm. that's been one of the big losses in the industry, like right through the spectrum. Absolutely. Is that, that shift away from Russia screenings. I think it's a major bent. I think it's a problem and it's making us lazy and not tell, making us And it tell. doesn't have to be that way. It's no, just, no, not you know, at all. You can see it in convenience. You can see it in some Australian films. You go, they, they're not communicating on that. You can look at it and go, there's no, there's no communication there. Mm. There's just not. You can just, you can tell, and that could have been fixed. And with digital, you know, the Russia's screening can be so efficient. Like you don't have to sit through all of every no, take. No, you no, can no. Skim through, forward and back. Absolutely, and absolutely. It's, what's important about the Russia's is how the story's being told. Yeah. You know, at technical levels, of course, yeah. but how it's being told. You know, I mean, Al Clark, you know, would turn around after if we did three takes on a shot, he'd go three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd go, yeah, yeah, three, Al, three, really. Mm. You know, you'd be, you know, you look like, yeah, yeah, we'll justify it. Yeah. You know, so that was the discipline of it. No, we've got to get this right. I guess that's the other aspect of the shift to digital is the pressure to do less takes is, is gone yeah. in a lot of ways. But it's still there as a time issue mm. and it's still there as an editorial issue. It still yeah. puts more pressure on the editors if there's, you know, 50 takes of something mm. and somewhere in there there might be a good one. Oh, no, they've got to look through it in the time that they've got as well to look through it all. Tori, Tori Garrett on the, the setup director on Secret Bridesmaids Business just did one and two takes, yeah. you know, sometimes three. And the best directors, I, I firmly believe, mostly they'll know when they've got it. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Paul Middleditch is great, you know, three or four, I've got it, it's there. Yeah. And, and he, knows the, he knows the beats, you know, he just knows. And it's yeah. just, he knows. And he knows where the camera has to be, you know, because the camera's the audience. 
Yeah. You know, it's the audience. Where do I want the audience? And I completely agree with you. And when you are moving at that pace and you're doing mm. two or three yeah. takes, everybody's focused because everybody very quickly picks up that they're on. They're on, definitely. From take one, it's it's go. Oh, absolutely. They all knew pretty quickly the cast that, that was going to be shoot and move, shoot and move because there was a lot of dialogue in a lot of the scenes we had yeah. to cover and get. So um, everyone's bringing their A game right from yeah, the first take. From the very, yeah, versus, Whereas if you're doing 50 takes, you know, no one knows which no. is going to be the one. So the they're American just going to look at it i did a big american commercial here years ago american director he did 50 60 70 takes and i just know that the editor just didn't look at them yeah yeah <laughs> like I've, I've done commercials with directors who've done 30 takes with four cameras running on mm. it and it's no one is ever going to remember by the no. time they've watched the last take from no. the last camera no. where the best take was no no it's it, and let alone talent. the talent mm. have no hope of focusing on when to actually nail it yeah no absolutely when to bring the full performance. I think it's right. It makes everyone focus very clearly on getting it right. Absolutely. I had a great crew too on the show. They were wonderful. Really hardworking, committed, you know, really into the show. I, you know, I dealt with them really respectfully too. You know, it's changed now that in a way, you know, you've got to have dialogue with people and, you know, and listen and you've got to be more aware. Yeah. You know, it's it's gone in the 80s of like, yeah, you're just the grip. You know, those days. Bang, 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 bang you do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all more fluffy. Much more collaborative. Much more, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you've got to listen and what it's really interesting how it's changed. Yeah. The patience involved now and then person management. Managing the team is actually a big part of the cinematographer's role, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. That communication. Dean Samler's the best at it. Yeah. Uh, uh, communication everywhere. Wow. You've checked anyone. Dean's just brilliant. I had the, he taught me at film school and we were listening to him way back then at film school, the way he talked. And it's like this is there's something about this guy. You know, yeah. and how he does it. So John Seal talks about the executive mm. cinematographer. Yeah. yeah. It's part cinematography, but it's part management. Oh, no, absolutely. And Don McAlpine said he used to get camera operators so he could keep an eye on the politics. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, said that, he said that years ago. I remember. Yeah. I remember him vividly. Being so aware, it's really interesting. And if there is a problem, is how you handle it. Yeah. You know. Because there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be problems. <laughs> you know, I said, to one, I said to one of my guys I've worked with for years, I've worked with him 20 years, I said to his wife, you know, one of my one of my operators said look if, if Kevin needs a day or two you know you've got young kids and stuff you know I don't mind I just I want a cool shoot and, I, yeah. and she said don't be stupid I don't want him around here <laughs> 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 okay, fine, fine, <laughs> fine, no problem. But it's right, it's all part of it, the managing them all and being interested in their weekends and interested in what they're doing and what you're reading and what films have you seen and, you know, engaging them. Yeah. You know, that was a good call. Thanks for that help, you know, and that lens. Yeah, you're right. I forget who it was but somebody said if you want to be a filmmaker, you've got to want to be collaborative and a people person. Oh, oh definitely. And if you don't want to do that, then go be a stills photographer. Because oh, yeah, you can definitely. work on your own. You, can't, you have to be. A, you have to. You have to love people. It's an industry full of misfits. There are people in that, and I say this in the it's nicest, fondest way. It's isn't a basic it? qualification. <laughs> the film industry is that it's misfits because they don't fit anywhere else. I mean, you you do an office, a recce in an office, in an office tower, and they're all getting the heebie-jeebies. You know, they're all scratching at their skin, saying, "Get me out of here! Get me out of here!" They don't fit anywhere else, and that's what's so unique and so wonderful. And I said to Steve Dobson, you know, I went up and visited his distillery up there, which you all should do up in New. 
England. He's making great gin. Uh, he said, I miss the people. Yeah. You know, and he just said, he said, I, said I just miss the people, you know, and I do. I love them and I, I adore them. I have loads of associates but only very few close friends. Mm. I do adore They're funny and crazy and wacky and mad and silly and say, you know, you're, you're nuts but I really like you. you know? <laughs> it's kind of the best part of the job. It is. It's the people. You don't love them. You know, you turn up every day. I had breakfast every day for 10 weeks with 65 people. I, I cannot look at a poached egg. I did not want to see another poached egg in my life. Now, that's unique. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right? Like, oh, here we are in this tent. What, what other job can what you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tristan, thanks for stopping in. It's a pleasure.